Hello and welcome to Out on Her Fanny. A podcast about the nanny. I'm Ben. I'm Mandy. That's it. You Goodbye, got, everyone. No, you got nothing else. I've got nothing. Got I've got nothing no I genuinely have no idea what to do for the intro this week. Oh, I mean, this is a very interesting uh, week for us because we did not watch this episode together. No, we had to watch it separately, just scheduling-wise. So we have three days before we fly to New York. We are flying to New York on Thursday for Anime NYC. Mandy will be there at the Sentai Filmworks booth. Which you know, if you listen to the previous podcast, yes. and I will not give you any information about it because you should have known about it from the previous podcast. We'll give you information at the end of the episode so you'll have time to do the thing. Um, but... Consequently, we just haven't. The, the scheduling this week is kind of upside down and inside out. Yeah, so, we did that because we also did our engagement shoot. Mm-hmm. We took pretty pictures of ourselves. Yes, we got the we got the pictures, and they were confirmed cute. We are confirmed cuties. We are hashtag confirmed cute. We look great. I mean, those photos are really really good. Um, there's one where I'm holding Mandy like a recently caught feet piece of fish. And then there's one where Mandy is laying next to me like I'm a tranquilized tiger. Now, neither of these photos actually exist, but boy, I bet you've got some images in your head now, huh? You know, I have some regrets. That we didn't do that? Yeah. We did get pumpkins. We did get pumpkins. Well, that was just us seeing. There was miscellaneous pumpkins. Yeah. We did the Will Smith presentation pose to each other. Yes. It was very good. Bookended photos almost certainly yeah we got some cute photos we were color coordinated yes oh yes i'm very excited though about wearing that shirt in new york this weekend yes but because of that and then uh you were watching tetris Mm -hmm. yesterday yes and i ended up watching the final this morning so explain explain to the audience what yes what i mean by you watch tetris so every year there is an event called the classic tetris world championship where the best players of the nes version of tetris in the world gather at the moment virtually because of COVID, to compete to see who is the best player of NES Tetris. This thing's been going on now since, I want to say 2011, 2012. One of the competitors is a relative newcomer. He started playing in 2019 after having seen the previous game. He became the new world champion, unseating the seven-time world champion Tetris player. He got unseated last year by a new kid who's like, Fetus. He was 12 yeah. at the time of unseating, and uh, the final competition was him and his brother. He was yes. three years older than him, and it was a because it was a virtual competition. It was open to uh, like anyone in the world could join it, so they had people from around the world. And yeah. the final competition was in the same household. Yes. In fact, for the finals for this game, because as I said, I watched it this morning, this is the first finals in in Classic Tetris World Championship history where the two finalists were not under the same roof. (laughs) So that was a lot of fun. I'm not a sports person. I don't like the stop and start nature of football. I find baseball largely kind of impenetrable. Uh, I grew up with soccer. I hate it. It is boring, tedious. Tetris, like... I think the, one of the reasons why I like watching competitive Tetris is I play Tetris. I think I play Tetris quite well, not at that level. But I can I can appreciate it more than I can appreciate baseball or football mm. or rugby or cricket or soccer. Or and I can say as someone who doesn't really play Tetris, it's because it is such a quick game. Mm. Um, you can kind of like, you kind of feel that energy. Like my problem, I love sports movies. Yeah. I love sports anime. Sports is boring because in movies and in anime, they just cut and they just show all the best bits and the dynamic things. Mm. And most of sports is not that. 
Um, even something, I mean, the closest thing is like something like soccer or hockey, but because of the distance that it is, it's you, it is hard to get the same like momentum and feeling of it. Um, I mean, you get to those points, but there's a lot of time where it's just not that interspersed with little bits that are cool. Tetris is the entire time is an anxiety ride yeah. uh, because it just goes, it's just going so fast the whole time. It's so fast. I can't fathom playing at that speed at that level it is absolutely incredible but that's my sport like that's the thing i get excited about is the classic tetris world championship i watched it live uh three of the last four years the uh, fourth year was uh, the year that i discovered it in 2018 i want to say yeah this is this is my third year in a row watching it live and uh I, it's just a really enjoyable experience it make, brings me joy and it makes me happy yeah, it's a good, I, I recommend it as something, I, if, even if you are not a sports person or if you're not like a, te- like a Tetris or an esports person, it's easy to get into it and get invested in, especially like the last few years. Of, it has been such an involved story of like, oh, someone just watched the competition and the next year they unseated the world champion. Yeah. And then since then, there's so many other people who have like become inspired by that person. So now there's a whole bunch of new people there. Like, I don't think anyone who made it to the final eight this year was over the age of 24, 25. Yeah. And again, it's all very, very wee, bab- wee babbies. The now twice winning world championship is a 13 year old. He wins the Tetris championship on Sunday and gets beaten up for his lunch money on Monday. (laughs) What a day. But this is the thing, like, Joseph Saley, who was the uh, two-time world champion, who unseated the seven-time world champion, he watched it one year, joined the following year, became the world champion at that tournament. I've told Mandy this, you've heard me say this a hundred thousand times, if that happened in any other sport, if that happened in boxing, we'd have four movies about it by now. Like, that is genuinely impressive on i don't care what you're talking about what what sort of sport you're talking about what sort of you know measurable human competitive task for someone to come in and do that is phenomenal like it is an exceptional bit of storytelling like there should be a movie about it yeah. and like you were one of two people who've told me i should write that script um so maybe i will do that who knows but what I'm going to do this week is watch The Nanny. Or rather, we've already watched The yeah, Nanny. Yeah, we watched The Nanny. That's, this is all to say that we did not watch this episode together. Mm. I watched it at work. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually watched it twice because I watched it and then I just kept the player running. So I actually just like watched a few episodes of The Nanny. Okay. Um, and then realized, oh shit, I'm going to be mixing this episode up with <laughs> all the other episodes that I've watched. So then I went back and watched it again. So I've actually watched this one twice today. Cool. Uh, let's see if that helped at all. I technically watched it at work in that I work from home. So I clocked out at work. <laughs> technically, you've watched every episode yeah. at work. Uh, I clocked out at six. I was going to make myself a sandwich, realized I used the last of the bread already, cried for a little bit, and then watched the, the episode of The Nanny. Which is what this is, by the way. This podcast, we watch an episode of The Nanny. Uh, we're working our way through the show, and we're currently on season two. In fact, we are on season two, episode three... Unless you are watching on HBO Max, which is what I did. That's how I watched it today. Um, In which case, it is season two, episode two. Huh. Well, there we are then. Which we still have one season one episode remaining. It's it'll it's it's a later one, isn't it? It's like a. It's a a star is unborn is like way down. But yes, if you're watching this on DVD or in broadcast order, maybe you're watching it on Cozy. Who knows? 
Um, this is season two, episode three. Everybody needs a bubby sometimes. Which also something that I was noticing when I was like looking up from the episode on like IMDb and other places, it's only listed as everybody needs a bubby, and then they don't have the sometimes. Interesting. Yeah, HBO Max says it the sometimes, and I don't know if it's something of like it just got cut off and I didn't notice the dot 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 or something. Well, it's one of those things that I know that we when we watched uh, Ode to Barbara Joan, that has an alternate title of Daddy Dearest, but the booklet lists both titles. Whereas with this one, and I'm referring to the booklet that came with the Shout Factory complete nanny box set, those two variant titles are so similar that it doesn't make any sense to include the alternate title just include the longer one because the shorter one fits inside of it if it is anything it could just have been me reading it if it is anything then i would assume it's something like maybe it got printed just without the sometimes at one point and yeah if it, just, it fell off yeah it's like some tv guide listing just omitted the sometimes because it's easier in terms of space and that became the quote-unquote canonical title anyway should we talk about it yes okay Is that what the noise is? No, that is the uh, game room music from Super Mario Bros. 3 on the NES. Okay, uh, fun times. It does not start with... uh, It does... uh, Brighton is playing a Game Boy. He is playing a Game Boy. He is playing a Game Boy. He's sitting in the front room with Gracie, and Gracie's talking about learning about a meteor in school that crashed into... Was it Mars? Jupiter. Jupiter. That crashed into Jupiter. With the Force... Of a million atomic bombs. Yeah. And uh, she was like, there's no way that will be something that happens to Earth. And Brighton goes, oh yeah, actually it is. And uh, we're actually not rich. Dad is just blowing all of his money because we're going to die on your birthday. That would fuck me up. Yeah. Yeah, that would profoundly fuck up, I think, anyone who heard it. Yeah, I don't, I don't like space shit. I don't like, like, I know there's some people who's like, oh, look up at the stars and you just know how small and inconsequential you are. That does not bring me joy. That brings me more anxiety. I know, like, people say that in order to, like, reduce your anxiety. For me, it's a hundred times more knowing how small and insignificant I am and that things will just happen and I have no control over anything. That's perfectly fine. I feel the same way looking at the ocean at night. I look at the ocean at night and I think, wow, I could die right now. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm nothing to this vast, immovable body of water. And I, will, I don't even need to look up. Like, there's plenty outward. Like, what do your elf eyes see? Oh, a fuck ton of water? Oh, I'm going to drown now? Oh, okay, cool. Do you know the fun thing about The Lord of the Rings is that the world is round unless you're an elf, in which case it's canonically <laughs> it's flat. flat. It has to be flat. Like, that's why it's bonkers to me. <laughs> because they were around before they decided it was round. Yeah. Silly. Well, well, which at least is better. Like, it's a better explanation rather than like, oh, they can just see super far. And be like, well, that means that uh, Legolas can constantly see, see his own ass. Because if he <laughs> sees the world is round, then it would just circle back. Yeah. But also, if it's flat, then he can't see it in his own ass. Can Legolas look directly into a star? Can he look up and be like, oh, I, that, star, that star's purple, actually. <laughs> you can't, because it burns. Don't look, well, don't look directly into a sun, but a star, though. <laughs> That's why Legolas yeah. can't look up. <laughs> Le- elves can't look up. <laughs> it's, that's true. Big Al says so. Big Al says elves can't look up. <laughs> Perfect. 
Shaun of the Daedalus. All right, so let's move on yeah, to so, actually uh, talking about the thing we're talking about. Yeah, so uh, Brighton freaks Gracie out. Uh, Gracie uh, gets up, panics. Uh, Maxwell comes over and is like, is like, hello, small child, how are you doing? She just screams. Screams straight in his face. Maxwell's very chill about this. Yeah, he's like, oh, good, good pipes or whatever the fuck. He talks about her voice. What does he say? Well, your sister's in good voice today. Okay, cool. Thank you very much. <laughs> Fran, her mom, and her grandma. So grandma Fran- Yetta. Yeah, Grandma Yetta and Sylvia, her mom, all come in. They saw a play. Yes. And they're complaining about it. Yeah, they saw a play. Um, it is noted that Maxwell got them the tickets to go see this mm-hmm. play, which before they were complaining about. And then after that, they were like, oh, but thank you for the free tickets that we were just bitching about. One of the things we have learned about Grandma Yetta, who I think this is only her second appearance on the show. Yeah, I mean, she might have been like in a minor bit before, but like this is her like second focus episode. She sings along with the performance, which, and it was pointed out, was not a musical. (laughs) Meanwhile, the show in my head was better than that crap we just saw. Uh, Which is when Maxwell walks in and asks how how the night was. And they said, fine, you had a good time. From there, it's just like a big sequence of there's a lot of little things like finding out that Sylvia took her shoes off during the play and that Dan put them back on, did not check, um, and is wearing somebody else's shoes. Cool. Uh, Yetta is also wearing someone else's coat. Very nice. And has someone else's bag. They're all bickering with one another. Yeah, some great character stuff. Uh, yeah, it's a lot of like l- like little things. Uh, Yetta talking to the, the kids. And I was like, I think it's Gracie who like asks about why they're all arguing so much. And Fran's like, oh, well, that's just how our family is. Yeah. And we're all very different while clearly doing the exact same stuff. And it is some great character work and little bits. It's, it's hard to talk about because it just. Watch it's it. Good. Just shut up it's and watch it. Good character yeah. beats. Um, it's fun. But, it's fun and inconsequent. Largely inconsequent. Yeah, it's like fun. Nicely written, but is also uh, really kind of establishing what this sort of family dynamic is. Yeah. And then having these uh, two posh children just watching it and not understanding families that bicker with one another. Yeah. Fran says it's time time for you all to go. And this is when her mother, Sylvia, drops the bombshell on Fran. Apparently, Grandma Yetta's retirement home is being sprayed for termites. And I guess Sylvia had told Yetta that Fran would let her stay. But this was never discussed with Fran, leading to more comedy. Yeah, it is a, it's a great little bit where uh, Fran asks, like, why, why wouldn't you stay with Sylvia? I don't want to be a burden on family. These people, I don't know. <laughs> Which is also a great bit because, I mean, throughout this, uh, there's a running gag that... Yetta thinks that Maxwell is Fran's husband and that these are her children. There's even like a kind of a bit in here where when she sees the kids and is like hugging them and like referring to them as uh as her grandkids. Yeah, as her grandkids. Um and making reference to like, oh, you look like your father, you look nothing like Fran. And Fran's like, Yeah, they're not my kids. And Sylvia's like, These are not Fran's children. Fran doesn't have any children. She's not married, she's all alone. <laughs> Um, to Fran's horror (laughs) about, like, just how loudly. This whole bit is very much just, like, yelled throughout. But that is a a big point of just emphasizing, like, no, no, Yetta, that's not not until, like, season five that that's a thing. Yetta, you're calling it too soon. 
Yeah, so we get this, uh, Yetta is going to have to stay with them, mm-hmm. and then we do the title uh, sequence. Cece and Maxwell are in the office. If we are to assume that the HBO order is implying that the previous episodes that we have seen were season one holdovers, and this is the actual like season two, episode two, mm-hmm. um, we mentioned in the season two premiere that we didn't really get much of Cece. Yeah. Like she wasn't, like she gave bits, we didn't really have an introduction. This was kind of like a reestablishment of her, just kind of like, oh, I'm the hanger on in yeah. Maxwell's life, because like she has a bit of like, Maxwell. Have I ever told you how much I love working out of the house? I feel I belong here. And the children are really warming up to me. Hello. No, there's no Maggie here. You have the wrong number. Excuse me, Cece. My daughter, Maggie. Oh. I definitely read this as, like, her leading into We Should Date. Like, yeah. it definitely felt like her saying, I'm comfortable here, the kids are warming to me, this feels like a second home, what if I were your second wife? And then we started a second life server, and we were on, we got married on second life, and then we transitioned from second life to a Minecraft server, because I want to just dig down. I want to dig all the way down. I don't want to see what's at the bottom. I do feel like it's a missed opportunity. Like, I feel like the gag of Cece being very in a second life would be a thing. And that's even how you would actually, like, lean into the later, mm. like, her and Niles would be second life married and would not realize that they are second <laughs> life married. Um, but like a you've got mail, but Yeah, like, this life. is an entire episode, but because yeah. uh, the writers of it do not know anything about second life. And I, when did second life, when did that start? Uh, it was definitely after the name okay yeah because because there's an an episode of the american version of the office about it okay i always assume that it's older because it just looks so fucking janky it's very janky my dad got into second life a little bit towards the end there oh that's not surprising it might be what you know (laughs) (laughs) um and that's when maxwell maxwell takes the phone and and says uh who is this maggie you know maggie has her own line and it's greg who is i guess Maggie's newest boyfriend? How many boyfriends has Maggie had on the show at this point? A lot. It just keeps changing. And there are also, like, they're trying to have it both ways of, like, oh, she's, like, shy and not sure of still trying to figure out stuff with boys. But also has a new fling, like, every goddamn week. Like, I would. I dated one guy throughout the entirety of high school. Oh, I did better than me. I didn't date any guys at all. I didn't date anyone. I didn't date any girls either. Greg is talking about how we don't hear it. And we don't even, when we do see Greg later, he does not talk. Yeah. And there's featured extra. We will talk about featured extra Greg and the whole spiel that I, the the things that I did once we saw featured extra Greg. But for now. But for now, uh, Greg is apparently talking about how much he likes Maggie. Maxwell is uh, slightly put out by this. And then eventually ends the call with keep going if you never want to see her again, bye, and then hangs up. As if to say, I don't know whether you will keep going again because I have hung up. But you could keep going, yeah, I guess. They keep going back and forth on the the extent to which Maxwell is okay with Maggie dating. I Honestly, I think that's one of those things that is just going to constantly get reset because it's a sitcom. So things are always going to reset to a certain extent at the end of each episode. Even with the, 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 the very, very first episode, 
the whole setup is in that first act. Yeah. And the, the, the second and third acts are kind of a story. That first act is kind of the pilot. So the show is kind of, being a 90s sitcom, is built to kind of reset at the end of every episode. And the only thing that doesn't reset really, although it kind of does until the later seasons, is the will-they-won't-they aspect. Because they will not. They will not for however many seasons it is. Yeah. Until they do. Um, because they figure that they're already at a decent point all the way through the show and they don't have any other way to keep dangling that carrot in a way that is interesting. That's how TV works. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not telling you or the listeners anything that I don't already know. Um, this is when Fran comes in. Yes. Fran is laughing. She's smiling. Ha 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 ha. Oh, my mother's a dumb bitch, she says. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my mother. Oh, that dumb cow. Do you know what she said to me? Ha 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 ha. Do you know what said that daft old woman said to me? <laughs> what if my grandma came to stay with me while her apartment, while her, her, her retirement zones? Like, we, re- can't, we can't let that crazy bitch here. She's going to steal she's everything. She's going to steal all of the things. And then uh, Maxwell makes the mistake of trying to continue on in the humor. Yeah. And that is not allowed. Yeah. So the issue here is that Fran describes her grandmother as a kleptomaniac, to which... Maxwell says, oh, and she's dumb too, or words to that effect. Fran basically makes the argument that she's allowed to say shit about her grandmother being a kleptomaniac and a piece of shit human being person who takes up space and eats too much candy and, as we will discover, burns bagels. But Maxwell's not allowed to join in. Yeah, which I I definitely get. Like, yeah, my fam- absolutely. My, my I fully family is uh, very much like that of like, we can talk shit about each other, but... Don't you dare. What's so funny? Poking fun at a little old lady? What's that? That British humor that nobody gets? (laughs) It's interesting what Fran's idea of uh, some classic British humor just mostly means something that ain't funny. So Benjamin, why don't you give us some classic British humor? Okay. Two men walk into a bar. Which is silly, because when the first guy walked into the bar, you thought the second one would have seen it, but no, he clapped his head on the bar just as much as the first fella did. Yeah. Okay. One more? Sure. Do you have to have a new accent? No. Uh, <laughs> knock, knock. Who's there? Orange. Wait, no, I fucked it up. We start again. Knock, knock. Who's there? Banana. Banana who? Knock, knock. Who's there? Banana. Banana who? Knock, knock. Who's there? Banana. Banana who? Knock, knock. <laughs> Banana who? Knock, knock. Who's there? Orange. Orange you. Aren't you glad I didn't say banana? Yeah, what was that? You were, it's a tiny island country. It was so many goddamn accents. Yes. Because none of you fucking speak to one another. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny because it's true. So, Fran gets upset, understandably so. Maxwell says, uh, well, she can't stay here. I'll put her up in a hotel. I'll put her up in a very nice hotel. She'll have room service. She'll have everyone at a beck and call. It'll be like living in a mansion. Which Fran points out, like, no, that is that would be incredibly insulting to Yetta, which is also like a family, like a family thing mm. of if someone's in town and you try to get them to stay in a hotel. That is that is an insult. There are so many people who are going to be coming into town for our wedding. They can't. We're in a one bed, one bath. Yeah, it's not happening. Yeah, but I I fucking know that's going to be a thing. 
So Maxwell eventually acquiesces. Fran says, you won't hear a thing. She won't even notice she's here. And that's when Yetta comes in through the, I guess, the garden door? Yeah, which I do not know. Like, the way that it is, I guess it's, like, all just on the first floor. But, like, yeah. there, there's other buildings behind there. Yeah. So what the fuck are the I other al- neighbors seeing? I always assumed it was, like, a balcony, especially because of the placement of, of his office. Yeah. There's nowhere for that for that garden, if that's what it is, for it to be somewhere that Yedda has wandered in from... It physically can't exist. It's like Seinfeld's corridor outside of his apartment. Like it, there's no physical yeah, like way it, for that to fit. It for her looks, to have come from somewhere else. It looks like a balcony, mm. but it is treated because they do a bunch of references of like people like coming on from like that back area. Yeah. That it's like a first floor. Yeah. Area. So I mean, maybe it's just like a little, like a tiny little like patio almost. Yeah. But the the spatial. Wasn't Amory doesn't make any yeah. sense. Anyway. anyway, Yetta's main concern is, is anyone going to see me topless out here? Yeah, she's like, hey, can I listen to my music and get my titty out? Which is any... She does is anyone going to see me do this? Yeah. I'm good. Here's the thing. I am going to do it. Will I be visible? Do we need to send apology baskets? Yes. Which, fr- frankly, Maxwell can afford. So Fran ushers Yetta away out of the balcony, presumably to nowhere because of the way that this building is laid out. Before we leave this scene, there's a great joke that Niles has about Yetta. Don't back down, Max, but we don't need some old crone running around the house. Because we are crone heavy, sir. <laughs> Although with two, we'd have a set. Is it ageist? Is it sexist? I think a little bit, but also it is funny, so it's a dilemma. <laughs> yeah, it's one of the, like, it is... It is difficult, but like, it is a cheap, it is a cheap little dig, yeah. but also it is written well, it is performed to make, like, Niles has so many, like, later there's going to be another bit that mm. it is just, like, some impeccable little digs, but, like, this is so sharply written and performed that it is kind of one of the things that you have to take with the show in the 90s of, uh, even your good lines will be kind of... I'll let you get away with it this time. I'll let you get away with good. it because Daniel Davis sells it and has, is having a lot of fun. Yeah. But you're on thin ice, the nanny. <laughs> so what actually happens next? I'm going to be honest. I don't entirely remember the setup for what this is. But the next one is uh, waiting for Maggie to come home from her date. Yes. She went on not the first. This is the first of two dates she goes to on this uh, in this episode. And Maxwell is anxious and impatient because she hasn't come back from this date yet. And it turns out, as Fran reveals... Relax, she's been back for an hour. Oh, really? I didn't hear her come in. Well, I didn't say she came in. <laughs> Leave them alone! She hasn't come in yet. They're, they're making out on the front, on the stoop. They are having... They're playing stoop hands, <laughs> which is a real game that I have not just made up. Yeah, uh, there is like a great little bit where Fran is like, no, it's fine. I can see all of their hands. See one, two, three. Maxwell freaks out. I'm like, no, wait, there's a fourth there's four, one. There's four, there's four, there's four. It just came into view. Uh, Maxwell opens the door, says goodbye to Greg. Which we get a very, very clear s- scene of Greg. And we're like, this is another Jimmy Marsden situation. This is another person who is a famous. It's Sonic. And I, yeah, Sonic the Hedgehog's Sonic the Hedgehog. right there. 
smacking on a hedgehog. No, it is uh, someone like we only get like a very quick scene of him and the door shuts. He does not say anything. I don't think he got more than an extra credit in this because he was not credited yeah. in the actual I, thing. I actually think he did say something and they muted it because if they if they use the audio, then they, have, they have would to have to pay him, pay him yeah. as a cast person. Um, at first, I thought it was Will Fried. Is it Friedel? Friedel? Friedel, I think. Yeah, Friedel from Boy Meets World. Yeah. But I looked it up and it like was not in his list, and he was doing Boy Meets World at the time. So it's yeah. like, oh, you would have, you would have at least been credited. Yeah. Um. So then I did some digging, and it is in fact Barry Watson from Seventh Heaven, who played the, uh, he played uh, Matt Camden on Seventh Heaven. Um, which is also how I found out that uh, Will Friedel was not in Seventh Heaven because I assumed that these those were the same fucking guy this entire time. Now, I have to ask you a question as an uncultured immigrant. What is Seventh Heaven? Um, I, like, I only ever watch random episodes of it. Let me see if I can get... I just know it was like... It was very Christian. Okay. It was a I mean, very... Very Christian. You have the word heaven in the title, and you mention the number seven. That's going to be biblical at the minimum. Yeah, um, it's a family drama television series uh, centers on the Camden family and their lives in the fictional town of Glen Oak, California. Um, it debuted in 1996, so this would have been pre like this is the start of his acting career, hmm. uh, which makes sense as to why like he just would have been. An extra, basically. Okay, the series follows the Reverend Eric Camden, who is an actor who I believe... Uh, I know he has gotten to some shit! Oh, yeah. Uh, this uh, noted uh, Reverend who was played by uh, uh, someone who has assaulted many minors. Lovely. That might be the main thing that people know about Seventh Heaven today. Cool. Um, but it's about this reverend and his family and they would be preachy at people and every every episode was a very special episode of them just being preachy at people well none of that sounds good yeah it was also uh do you know jessica beale yeah that that was her big thing as well she's probably like the main act like actor she got out out. yeah so this is maggie adding to her uh her harem of uh soon to be famous people yeah pretty much all of her like boyfriends are like are somebody mm. and there was the guy who was and i can't remember his name the one who was like the comedian guy um yes he's sure done things that. he's not as big of an actor compared to yeah. like the other two but like maggie got the magic touch of if you if you play her boyfriend as an extra in this show your career will take off and you will get to be best friends with sonic the hedgehog <laughs> So Maxwell pulls Maggie in, says goodnight to Greg. Maggie's very upset. Like, that, how rude was that? That's not fair. Maxwell's putting his foot down and, and talking about how young girls should be encased in carbonite and hung on the mantle and not be allowed to kind of go out and, and, and be with people and have human interactions and experiences. Uh, and he's going to build a big old tower and put her, uh, hang, put her in carbonite and hang her on the, the wall at the highest... Highest top of the tallest tower. Yeah, and he mentions that he knew about... Oh! Now I remember how this scene started. Maxwell came to Fran holding a videotape, and it was some movie. Yeah, Body Hate with William Hart and Kathleen Turner. And he was like, this is too adult for Maggie to be watching. It was Ghostbusters 2. <laughs> 
I don't know. Like, I think it's something that I like. I have heard of the name, and yeah. I only I only know it in terms of people making reference of it being a sexy movie, yeah. not porn, but some like a just sex- very sexy. Yeah, just a yeah, sexy Mac and movie. <laughs> Weekend at Bernie's too. <laughs> Something deep, so it's very sensual, very saucy, very sa- Space Jam. Drop Dead Fred. Drop Dead Fred. That is a film to get your bone to. <laughs> the movie that taught me about emotional abuse. Yay. Love that movie. Yeah, I know. We have it on Blu-ray. Drop Dead Fred's a good movie. Yeah. It's a fucking strange movie. It's a strange movie and not all of it works, but it's enjoyable to Most watch. Most of it, it does not work. Yes. It's still enjoyable to watch. It, we could talk about Drop Dead Fred for a thousand years. And maybe we'll do that as a bonus on my Patreon at some point. That was how the scene started. Yeah. Um, it was like and- Deep Heat or something like that. Some kind of, like, short... Yeah. Body Heat with William Hart and Kathleen Turner. Yeah. Fran knows about it and be like, oh, yeah, I know. It was like, well, that's not appropriate for my daughter. And be like, well, whatever. But so when they are arguing, Maxwell brings that up of, yeah. like, you are too young to be Dating or watching this movie. Body Heat with William Hart and Kathleen Turner. And Maggie's like, you went through my room. You went through my stuff. Like, you actively had to dig and go through my shit in order to find that. Body Heat with William Hart and Kathleen Turner. Um, So she is very distraught over that, which is something as someone uh, who had a parent who read my diary pretty regularly. um, I understand, like... Oh, that will forever fuck up your child. Yeah, that's uh, bad yeah. shit. I have trust issues to this day because of that. Cool and rad. Yeah, we are working through that trauma, uh, which is what it is. So uh, Maggie is very upset and she says that she hates uh, Maxwell. Uh, she's about to run off and Yetta comes in. Yeah. So Yetta comes in, sees uh, Maggie very upset uh, finds out that Maxwell has been going through her things and is immediately like very consoling and comforting to her and they kind of go off to go talk uh, together so that Maggie can go calm down so this is a Yetta is a is a calming presence and someone to kind of like diffuse the situation mm. yeah and Fran is trying to reassure Maxwell that Yetta is uh, you know she's she's lived a long life she's got words of wisdom she'll she'll help Gracie and we hear on the way up Yetta asking Gracie, do you want a cigarette? Uh, which we're asking Maggie, which is a, a bit that we will come back to. That, that little mix-up uh, is an important plot device. <laughs> <laughs> so what's the next scene? Uh, the next scene is the next morning. Maxwell's having breakfast and he uh, asks Niles for a cup of tea. Niles plops down a very old, very used tea bag. Grandma Yetta says this tea bag still has seven cups left in it. <laughs> My my granny does this. My granny and my uh, my stepdad's uh, mom. She also did that. In fairness, they would also like they did not steep their tea a lot. Like mm. they would do a dunk and plenty of milk, and that that yeah. was tea. But like you have some lightly browned milk, basically. Well, it's, it's it's a wartime mentality. It's rations. Yeah. It's you know that's my my mum quite happily drank instant coffee and preferred to drink instant coffee. Um, because, you know, there's a huge section of, uh, particularly in the UK and I think a little bit here and in Europe as well, where during the Second World War, as a key example, resources were not necessarily plentiful. Some countries like the UK had rationing, so you get used to not quite having 
all the nice things all the time. You know, we we take our luxury items for granted. We take our, our Charleston shoes and our cherry-flavored sparkling water and our anime boob figures for granted. <laughs> but back in the war, during the war, do you know you if you if you had one statue of a busty anime girl, you were lucky. And we were great. We were great. Our anime figures were flat-chested, and we were grateful. We were grateful for whatever chesticular exposure we got. It was a burlap sack (laughs) with the word waifu written on it. We were grateful. (laughs) If you took the sack off, it was just a beanie baby. (laughs) The beanie babies, that's where they all came from. Every beanie baby has seen the horrors of war. Beanie Babies were actually, actually, this is a fun fact, Beanie Babies were drafted during the war. And that's why they have so much value, is because they help protect America's freedom. <laughs> sorry. Oh. <laughs> Such a fucking dumb premise. I'm so sorry. Um, we're watching The Nanny, right? What was, yes. What's happening right now? Yeah. So they're- oh, they're having breakfast and they're talking about Grandma Yetto and they're talking about Maggie and they're talk- and Maggie comes down and apologizes and yeah and it's like going to show of how uh, like oh Yetto was a good influence. See, yeah. it's great that she's been around because now like Maggie was super upset and throwing throwing fit. There was a bit before where Maxwell like. They're talking about, like, being distressed because Maggie and Maxwell are fighting. There's a great line where Fran is saying, oh, like, my in my family, we always talk to each other like that. Like, we always yell at each other and we're fine after. Yeah. Um, and I was like... No, we never say a crossword in our family. We just die very early of colon disorders. <laughs> That's, yeah, it's another banger of a Niles line. So when Maxwell comes in, is also talking about, like, I would have never talked to my father like that, and I don't understand this, while Fran is trying to talk about, like, no, that's a very normal, like, it's a normal teenage girl thing. You have an entirely different frame of reference as to how uh, your youth should be. Yeah, um, you, you, you were raised in a different time, in a different country. Uh, an indifferent, entirely different class structure. Different class structure. And this is the point where um, Will Smith walks onto the set and starts talking about how parents just don't understand. And that's an extended musical sequence that goes on for about 12 and a half minutes. I think that's actually the extended remix of that particular song, um, which I think was on the album, but I don't think I don't think the single release was significantly smaller. Anyway, Will Smith leaves because he was never really there. and Because uh, he realizes that he is, by at this point, he is now a parent. And he just yes. doesn't understand either. In 1994? No, I'm. He did it now. He did. Oh. It was a special for HBO. He traveled when, back in time when they did it for HBO Max. Like this is yeah. the only HBO Max cut. Uh, yeah. They they added things to Will Smith just uh, pops drops in on certain episodes. Yeah, it's how they would. It was something they were doing to promote the Fresh Prince cast reunion. Yeah. Yeah. If you just watch anything on it on HBO Max, you get to an episode where Will, Will Smith is there. I say this. It makes Torchwood much more interesting to watch. But Gracie's also there, for, comes down for breakfast and talks about how better she feels after speaking to, to Grandma Yetta. And uh, uh, Brian got $100. Brian got $100 for his bar mitzvah. And Yetta thinks his name is Shmui. Um, and uh, Maggie talks about how she also had a conversation with, with Yetta and she's feeling a lot better now. And um, She asks very politely if she can go on a picnic with Greg, to which Maxwell like accepts because begrudgingly yeah this is another like fran is like bopping him on the hand with a spoon as he says no and then yes and then make sure you come back by six tap seven tap eight 
ding. Like it's yeah. it's this one again. It's this, it's not a big physical comedy performance, but there is a kind of an elegance to the the, the motion, like the, the the motion and the movement. Uh, kind of lends its the timing is perfect. Yeah, like the timing and the rhythm of it is phenomenal. Yeah, it was written knowing. I mean, not only. I mean, obviously, this is a a vehicle for Fran Drescher, yeah. so a lot of it is written knowing her physical comedy, but also knowing the pattern of the way that Maxwell is going to say something yeah. so that it is timed perfectly yeah. with each other. Like it is, it is music. Yeah, it's perfect. So Maxwell agrees to let uh, Maggie go on this picnic and they smell something burning. Yeah, uh, there is a great bit where Gracie says, oh, something smells bad. <laughs> Niles is like, just eat it. <laughs> They're like, no, it smells like burning and they can smell it from upstairs yes fran immediately jumps to the conclusion not perhaps undeserved that uh she, that grandma yellow is smoking in bed and may have started a small fire which apparently she has a history of <laughs> there is a circle seven motel that burns to the ground um so they get up there the door is locked uh maxwell kicks in the door to find grandma yetta giving it riz with some old guy yeah which is a shocking scene, does not explain what the burning smell yeah, was. Yeah, I wondered whether they would actually address that, and fortunately they do. It turns out they were toasting bagels, and then while the bagels were toasting, so did they. Which, I was very curious as to whether or not this was an intentional gag, or is something that they had to do of like a standards and practices thing. Because uh, obviously the, the scene that everyone thinks of, like the... The post-coital scene is smoking in bed after yeah. of that being a clear metaphor. And so them not doing that of like, oh, it's just the toaster thing. Like, was that in the script beginning of like, oh, we're going to make a joke about that, but we're just going to say flat out right that they were fucking before? Or was it something where there's a no, you can't have two old people smoking in bed. We can't have that scene. So you have to have a reason for why there is. But- Regardless of why, we get that fantastic joke where, like, well, where's the cream cheese? And it turns out they ate it all off of each other. That is the implication. Yeah. So if it is a standards and practices thing, it's like, well, okay, you can't have, we can't have them smoke them in bed. Can we have them licking cream cheese off of each other's naked folds? Mm. <laughs> standards and practices well, haven't flagged it. Let's film it. Well, because they, they have not filmed it. They're just going they're to. They're just, yeah, they because they also do not say that that is what no. it is. They just look at each other. They put an image in your head of what that is. Yes. They don't show it, but they put that image in your head. They put it there. They take those two people who we can, through the magic of brain... Create a virtual three-dimensional model inside of brain, and then we can dip them in cream cheese and, like, little virtual simulations, have them lick, lick it off of each other. Now, I don't need to know what they actually look like naked for my brain, which I've established is brain, to model and create that sequence. The magical wonder of brain. If The magical wonder of brain. Now, here's the thing. I can say the words... Your parents having sex, a jar of Nutella is a key component. And I think there are quite a lot of people who have now stopped listening to the podcast (laughs) 
because of the psychic damage I've inflicted. Because brain make 3D model create simulation. So we standards and practices. If that is indeed what it was, I'm not. I'm not 100 convinced, but I th- I think you are right. I think that it certainly could be. Yeah, I just I'm curious as to whether or not, like at what point that gag got put in there because it is a it is a phenomenal gag that is based on the idea of like oh well obviously they're going to be smoking a cigarette after yeah. but they're not yeah and i want to like did you not have it because of the sexual implications or did you not have it because of the smoking like did you just yeah not were you not allowed to put the smoking in there because Previously, the only time that they've shown the smoking was in the previous Yetta episode, yeah. where the entire thing is smoking is bad. Smoking is and bad. And I, I know that's a thing now of you cannot show smoking unless you reinforce that it is bad. Yeah. So, and this episode does not do Yeah, that. this episode doesn't do it. So is that why they could like, oh, it's not the fucking that is the problem. It is the smoking that is a problem. So we will have a toaster off to the side. Which, is that not America in a nutshell? Is that not American media I mean, in that's nutshell? usually more progressive than America, because America is typically, like, the anti-fucking. Yeah, but you can't, you can fuck, but you can't smoke afterwards. <laughs> Fair enough. Maxwell and Fran leave the bedroom after, ha- after kind of loudly berating old man for being a sex partner. So as they're leaving, Niles comes up and, and says, Hello, Yetta. Hello, name of character we've only heard named once and we'll not be seeing it again for the rest of the episode. And... Maxwell and Fran are kind of surprised that Niles knows that he's in the room, to which Niles says... As my room is directly beneath theirs. (laughs) Bravo! You think that they're going to play it as the, like, oh, it it was horrible, I had to listen to these old people fucking, and it was just so gross. No, he is into it. Yeah. He is a nasty motherfucker, and he <laughs> game recognizes game. We have established that he's not above a little uh, hocus pocus in the house. <laughs> I don't know if that's the expression, but it is now. We have established also that he's a nasty keyhole pervert boy. Yeah. And a scene friend naked. He's just, he's just and he's into all for it. it. I genuinely thought the joke was just going to be, who do you think let, let him in at 11.30 yeah, at night? Yeah, that's what no. I thought it was. Turns out, turns out, he heard them fucking all like, night. The levels of it, of like the amount to which it repeatedly goes against your expectations of first you're going to think, oh, the joke is, who do you think let him in? No, that's not the joke. The joke is, I'm directly beneath them. Uh, and then you think the joke is, oh, gross, old people fucking, and I had to listen to it. I couldn't sleep at all last night. No, the joke is he's really fucking into he's it. proud of our boy. He is so down for them. Congratulations. Bravo. Maxwell is a gog because Maxwell cannot believe that this is the advice. This is the woman that that his daughter went to advice for. Like this is the woman who has given Maggie advice on sex. To which Fran says, "Well, at least you know her advice is current." Yeah. Maxwell is super stressed out because he doesn't know what Yetta has said, and this is the type of woman Yetta is. And Yetta walks out in her her jimble jambles and says, uh, "I said we could all die tomorrow, so go for it." And Maxwell's head. Fully explodes. Yeah, like you can see the steam coming out of his ears. It is a ketchup with lobster detonation. But he's Maggie's already gone. She's gone on a date. She's gone for a picnic. It's already gone. 
Um, She's at seventh heaven right now. Yeah. I love uh, Fran does have a moment of berating Yetta and just this is the Sheffield household. No one has sex in this household <laughs> because she has not heard about the many times that Niles has boned the fuck down. Yeah. Also, every time Maxwell has sex with someone, they die. Now, we only know about one person he's definitely had sex with at least three times, but she's also nowhere to be seen. Yeah. So, dot, 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 what are we to infer from that? It's like when that guy- You got got a death penis. It's like when that guy shows up on Babylon 5 and he's like, yeah, I appeared on every single Babylon station before this one, um, and they all exploded and went missing after I left. Peace. What's to be inferred? I don't know. I didn't watch Babylon 5. I remember (laughs) catching part of that episode when my mom was watching it on Bravo one night. Anyway, so Niles is in the kitchen, and it's just him on his own. Cece comes in the kitchen. All she basically knows is that Maxwell and Fran are fighting. Mm. And she's like, Fran is on her way out. I am thrilled. This is a great day. Nothing you can say can taint my mood because this is great news. And Niles says, Grandma Yetta, aged 80, living in a home. Got a heap of good loving last night. (laughs) And you? I hate my life! Thank you! Does a full fucking bow at the, like, he knows... How great this line delivery is. He, yeah, he bows. I, I, I think it's scripted, but he's definitely bowing to the audience, yeah. but for himself. Like, it's such a wonderful moment. And, and Daniel Davis just really, like, savors it. Like, and, it's so good. And credit to uh, Lauren Land, get, like, credit to Cece. Her also acting of it is mm. phenomenal, of just, like, the brokenness yeah. of the the shriek of I hate my life. That fantastic turn from just this brilliant, like, joyful grin on her face that what she considers to be her rival is soon to be out of the house as far as she's concerned. And the way that she crumbles after Niles reveals that uh, an, an, an elderly woman from a retirement home is, uh, is, is boning more, more yeah. than she is. Hey, here's a question. Does Niles not know that that's, or does Cece not know to that point, that that is just a thing old people do? Yeah, I guess she just doesn't seem aware that old people, old people, that became a big uh, reason why like gonorrhea and stuff is like still out and around yeah. is from old retirement communities because none of them are using like none of them use condoms because they're like oh we're all we don't gotta worry about it but like they're still stds granny you absolutely can worry about it and you absolutely should worry about it you're going to die slightly sooner niles is very happy fran comes down fran also knows that her and maxwell are kind of on the outs at the moment um although i don't think she necessarily is is as terminal about it as Cece is. It is implied that she is avoiding Maxwell. Yeah. Because uh, now it's a signal that the coast is clear. She's good to come down. 
Um, and then Yetta comes in. Gives Fran her wallet. Gives Fran her wallet because she assumes that Niles is going to steal from yeah. them. Oh, yeah, you left the wallet on top of the dresser. And Fran says, yeah, what is that a problem? And then Yetta goes, you know, and like very pointedly points at Niles. Niles does not miss this. No. The look on Niles' face as well is pretty, what the fuck are you doing, Yetta? Yetta, I was on your, I was team fuck until 27 seconds ago. <laughs> like, Yetta, we're on the same payroll. I like. I'm curious as to what their amount of pay, because if anything, I assume Niles would might be getting paid more. I imagine. I, I mean, would. If I would hope else, he's doing more. He's got. He's doing more. He's been there longer. Um, I would imagine he's at least board certified. Yeah. The butler board. The boardler. Nope. Let's keep going. Yeah. Um, um, Yetta is also talking about that blonde woman. Yetta says, "Oh, their marriage might be better if uh, they got the blonde woman out." Because uh, Yetta points out that all of Fran's children are blonde, which Yetta, you, you don't. How does how does that work in her? Like the implication is that Maxwell is cheating, and that's why all the children are blonde. Yeah, I think that's the bit. <laughs> but how does that work? Who had the children? How do you? Uh, t- oh, there's a question. <laughs> Yeah, Yetta's not thought that one through, and apparently neither have I. I was like, "What are you? T- what are you getting at?" Of course, it- oh, unless unless we are also implying something new about uh, uh, Fran. I I think what we're suggesting here, I think what is being suggested, the suggestion here, and I kind of love this suggestion a little bit. I kind of like this very much. Is that both Maxwell and Cece, and possibly also Fran, are all trans? Yeah. That's, there's this big, big yeah, trans energy here. It's, it's all, that's what it is. That's clearly what because that's the only way that joke works. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I think the joke is that uh, it is. It's supposed to be that. What the fuck? How does that work? You yeah. were clearly senile if you think, but she might know more. She might know more than any of us. We've. That's what this joke sets up. Sets up the window for a canonically trans cast <laughs> for the nanny. Everyone is trans. Everyone is trans. She just, Yetta just transed everyone's gender. <laughs> so Fran has to remind Yetta for like the bajillionth time that uh, she's not married to Maxwell. Yeah, uh, these aren't her children. Gracie comes this down. This is not her beautiful house. This is not her beautiful house. It's not her beautiful wife. Yes. Gracie comes down, hugs Yetta. They're talking about uh, Gracie's day. And she's like, I'm not anxious about space anymore. I'm not, yeah, I'm not anxious about uh, the world suddenly ending. And it's because uh, Yetta told me to just go for it. Which Fran points out and be like, isn't that what you told Maggie? And be like, yeah, that's... yeah, that was Maggie. Yeah, to which Fran, Fran says, Grace is the little one. Shmooey is the boy. <laughs> and the tall one is Maggie. Hot pants? Yeah. Tell her to go for it? What am I, senile? Your husband would throw me out of the house. Yeah, so this is when they have the realization that, like, oh, Yetta has done a Benjamin Patton and has mixed... Freak mixed up Gra- Graggy and Macy, no? <laughs> Graggy and Graggy Macy. and Macy! That's, that's, attorneys of law. Graggy and Macy is their new name, because whichever one I say, I'm getting it right a little bit. Graggy and Macy... Uh, so that's what was like, oh, no, it's not creepy talk. No, no, no. She told Maggie to get an IUD. <laughs> so Fran goes out to the front porch where Maxwell is waiting for Maggie to get home because he assumes that Maggie is about to join the bone club. 
about to go to the Bone Zone and uh, Bone, the uh, incumbent little Jimmy Marsden, uh, she's about to go to Seventh Heaven. Have I made that joke already? I'm pretty sure I, I have. I don't think you have. And Fran gets to deliver the good news that, hey, actually, maybe my grandmother didn't tell your daughter, your eldest daughter. Your teen daughter. Your teen daughter. To bone down on Seventh Heaven. She did tell the seven-year-old. Bone down on Seventh Heaven. No, no, it's fine. She told the seven-year-old to go out all night to get lucky. Yeah. And Maggie. She, she she taught your seven year old the grapefruit trick, but oh. not not your eldest. Oh, the psychic damage I just took. Good grief, Charlie Brown. Maxwell feels a little bit better, but he's still anxious. They're pacing around inside of the house, and Fran eventually has to say to him, "Look, she's a teenage girl. No, there's no point stressing out. Why? Tell you what. Why don't you go to bed? Yeah, you gotta. You, you go gotta, to bed. You gotta go to bed. You can't show her that she is stre- that you were like stressing out about this. You just have to let her be, and it will all be good. Yeah, so then and we have all we have had this conversation four times. Just go to bed. And he acquiesces. He goes upstairs and he goes to bed. Maybe he'll watch King of the Hill on the TV in his living room. Who knows? Yeah. Um, and then Maggie finally comes in. And uh, now Fran is the one who's stressed yeah. out of like, I had to take care of all of this. Why are you home late? I had to send your father off to bed. And Maggie responds by saying, actually, we decided to cool down a little bit. And I guess they're taking, they're, they're on a break. I don't know if the implication is like they're on a break or they're just being friends or they're just like going, going slow. Uh, mild petting, not yeah. heavy petting. Yeah. He's like, hey, I'm up for this role, but I got to uh, be a real big Christian. So uh, no, no, no heavy petting on my resume. Yeah. And I'm also still not allowed to talk on this show. So we're going to have to have this conversation of our game of charades. <laughs> Um, yeah, they go up the stairs. Maggie says, oh, I wouldn't have taken uh, things further without talking to you. And Fran's like, oh, but you talked to Yetta. And like, Yetta t- talked to me about cows and shit. <laughs> just, just talking cows. Uh, and the Fran's- cow says, get in there. Yeah, that's what cows yeah. famously say. Yeah. Fran tries to give an updated version on the, the don't give the milk away for free. It's like, why buy the yeah. cow if you can get the milk for free? Um, utilizing the the rhythm of the song, it don't mean a thing if it ain't got that swing. Um, oh, she says, uh, she basically says to wait until marriage. Yeah, it's like, yeah. don't do not do a thing until you have that ring. And then uh, the, the theme does a little yeah. like riff on that abstinence only definitely works teenage pregnancy is at a record low in bizarro land uh and over the end credits they're watching uh i guess an snl skit yeah they're watching the snl skit coffee talk uh we did we did not know what this bit was because you didn't get snl i i we did not get snl in the uk until the early to mid 2000s and even then it was reruns yeah and this was after when i would have been watching snl yeah but it is one where Mike Myers plays uh, a stereotypical Jewish middle-aged woman. Perfect. The image on Wikipedia is just three Jewish women with big hair. So the the bit is the three of them sitting and watching it and talking about like, oh yeah, this is a, I'm enjoying it, but it's such a weird caricature of uh, Jewish <laughs> stereotypes while they're sitting there with their big hair and they're... More or less, like, look, just looking at that photo, that screen grab on the, uh, on the Wikipedia page, more or less the same outfits for at least 50% of the group. Yeah. I say 50% of three people. One and a half outfits match. And that's our episode. That's it. 
So what did you think? Did you like this one? I I very much enjoyed this episode. Yeah, I agree. I feel like this is this is kind of the pinnacle of like the great things that this show can do. Yeah. There's oh, I still did not mention the fantastic I forgot about it with the CC uh line, but so part of what makes this episode great is that so much of the writing comes from a place and it is so mm. much of Fran pulling from like a certain family dynamic and particularly like Jewish culture and things like that. Like the the joke that I forgot to mention is when Yetta is saying like, oh, you got to get rid of Cece. Uh, it's bad. Yeah. It's a blonde like that with big shoulder pads dragged off your grandfather. That was a Cossack. <laughs> Not only is like the writing super smart in this, but it's it's a certain perspective that only she would be able to bring. Yeah. It's with this knowledge of like putting everyone in the cast is going to like their fullest extent. Like it is it is top tier. This is a fantastic episode. It's a lot of fun. It is I, th- I think it's not the earliest example of a member of Fran's family being injected into the the core Maxwell house and kind of bringing an element of chaos and unpredictability with them. But I think it's the first. It's the first of like this core group because I know that Yetta becomes kind of a, a kind of a semi recurring character as the show progresses, uh, as as does uh, Sylvia, who's always already kind of come and gone. But I know that they're going to become more regular fixtures as the show uh, goes on. If something about Fran as an individual, or even culturally, can bring uh, hilarious consequences to the show, then bringing in a whole other character that is, oh, this is where Fran gets it from, just cranks that up to 11, because it's not just Fran who's reacting to the, you know, the the Maxwell House uh, household members reacting to her her culture it's them reacting to this whole other human being yeah now it's fran having to act as translator yeah and it's so much fun it is so much fun watching fran react to her family's reaction to yetta to the amount of chaos that yetta brings to the proceedings it is it was just absolutely delightful. This was a, this was a really good. I think this might be my favorite episode of season two so far. Yeah, like I am. I am actually kind of mad that this is not the season premiere. This should like, have been the absolutely should have been the first episode. Because you also you get every character like who they are and what they are doing. Yeah, and it's as you mentioned the uh, and you mentioned that we were talking about this episode, but you also mentioned that we were talking about season two episode one that Cece doesn't have a moment in that episode. In this episode. Pretty much everyone is covered. Bright, we see Brighton being a little bit precocious because he does accept the check that's not made to his name. We see Gracie's insecurity on display, and we also see her working on that. We see Maggie dating a boy, which I guess is her personality for the moment. Yeah, um, it's just kind of just date. Like now she is teen yeah. who is dating. Yeah, and we see Maxwell. Like Maxwell has some fun lines in this episode early on, in particular. But like we see Niles being catty, and we see Fran being Fran, and we get to see more. Fran's family as well like I can almost understand why you would hold this back to like an episode two or an episode three because uh Yetta and Sylvia are not part of the 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 main cast yeah but I think and I think it's borne out by the fact that they become more regular characters as the show goes on I think this episode is strong enough that it should have been the season season premiere because this is of the three episodes we watched the season so far it is hands down head and shoulders above the, those two episodes. Yeah, like, I think that this is a phenomenal episode to the point that it was almost somewhat difficult to kind of talk about because we we're just repeating yeah. repeating the bit and be like, okay, and then they say a line that's really funny and we yeah. laughed at it. 
It's difficult to kind of like we could probably sit and disassemble the joke, like pull up, peel up, peel apart the layers of the onion, like disassemble the Matryoshka doll. Like we could almost certainly do that. Which I mean, I did, I did a bit like I yeah. like the toaster, the toaster bit is something because yeah. that is something that when I first watched, it, I did not really like. I just pass it off, and then the second time, I was like, oh, it's weird that they have to have an excuse for, like, they mention this burning thing, and they don't have to, like, oh, that is because it's going against the typical thing yeah. of that is a joke that gets better the more that you think about it. And yeah. typically with the, with the show and with most sitcoms, when they have a bit... The longer that you see it, just the more repetitive that it gets. And just it yeah. it's something that becomes like familiar and fun, but not necessarily something that gets better. Yeah. That is a joke that just got better. Like this episode gets better as you watch it. Yeah. And you like you watched it twice. I watched it once, you watched it twice, and you did you feel like it gained anything or lost anything on a second viewing? Yeah, I think that it gained like I was able to get more from it. Yeah. Like there's more things that I'm gonna that I was noticing throughout. Yeah. This is a, this is an absolute banger. This is this is up there for me is like one of my favorite episodes so far yeah like this would be an episode that i would show people of like hey why why do you watch the nanny why do you like the nanny the only thing i think it is really missing is a big physical comedy performance from fran drescher i think we get a little bit of that with the the her tapping maxwell with the spoon at the breakfast table Mm -hmm. which has great comedic timing but it's not as big as uh the face that she pulls when she's talking to brighton about his size or mucking around with a hospital bed. That's the only thing I think that would that would kind of tickle the boxes for this episode. Yeah. And I I can forgive that if only because it is something of like it is letting the rest of the cast kind yeah, of shine. Absolutely. Something else of like this is like Fran Drescher vehicle. Fran is typically the one that gets to shine, but here's a place where everyone gets to do something amazing. Absolutely agree. So what are we watching next week? Next week we are watching season two, episode four, Material Fran. An elderly admirer courts Fran, and Grace tries to kick the teddy bear habit. Ephraim Zimbalist Jr. guest stars. I've almost certainly mispronounced that name. Who the hell is that? Don't, don't know. Let's find out next week. Well, we'll find, we might find out next week. We might find out the week after, because uh, likely we'll not have an episode next week. Yes, uh, we're going to take a week off. We are uh, going to New York this weekend, which is going to be a lot of fun. We've, I've certainly never been. Have you been to New York before? I've never been to New York before. Neither of us have been to New York before. But why are we going to New York, Mandy? Uh, we are going because I am going to be at Anime NYC the 19th through 21st. Uh, it's at the Javits Center in New York City. Um, I am going to be there with Sentai Filmworks promoting the anime Loop on the Third. Um, so if you happen to be an anime fan and happen to be in New York, it will be booth number 1325. And I will be there. They're doing uh, some fun stuff there. Like you can like win things. They're also doing a cast Q&A on the Saturday. And it's going to be a good time. It's going to be a really good time. And I'm uh, looking forward to it. Yeah. Um, and also with there as part of the promoting with Sentai, I was actually on uh, the Sentai podcast mm, yes. uh, last week uh, talking about Loop on the 3rd and just kind of 
my my experience with the show and why I like it and what the things that I enjoy about it, as well as kind of my experiences a cosplayer, and particularly a Fujiko Mine cosplayer, who's a character in that show. Uh, so if you want to hear more of me talking, then you can look at the Sentai podcast. Definitely do that. Um, I think we're going to wrap it up here, especially because uh, for us, we've been recording for an hour and 32 minutes. So we're going to wrap it up. Thank you very much for listening to this week's episode of Out on Her Fanny. If you enjoy the podcast, do please let your friends and family know. Tweet about us. Post about us on Facebook. Tell your friends in the real world. Itty bitty baby podcasts like ours live and die by word of mouth. And we would certainly appreciate yours. You can find us online on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We are Out on Her Fanny. Uh, that is the handle, not uh, state of being for us. That, that would be weird. Uh, Mandy, where can people find you on the socials? Uh, you can find me at Mandy Quesadilla on uh, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And you can find me, I'm at Ben Padden, P-A-D-D-O-N. And the website, of course, is oofcast, O-O-H-F-cast.com. Do check that out uh, for some reason, if you're not already listening to the podcast. <laughs> Why would I even say that? I have brain worms. We really appreciate everyone who tweets about us, who talks to us, who reaches out to us. I know that there are people listening to the show. Uh, if you want to support uh, technically us on Patreon, uh, I have a Patreon, patreon.com slash Padden. We just hit $100. So I'm going to revive an old YouTube show I used to do where I ate American candy and outlined its shortcomings. I'm very excited about bringing that back. Other than that, I think that's everything. I think that's everything. I think that is everything. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Out on Her Fanny. A podcast about the nanny. I've been Ben. I've been Mandy. And yes, we, we do, do know, know it, it means, means vagina. vagina. See you in two weeks. Bye-bye. Bye! Okay. Grand Geek Gathering